Hey everybody, just want to let you know real quick, this particular episode of Conversations About Dot Dot Dot, the language is going to be a little bit more different, it's probably a little bit more R-rated than normal. Just want to advise that up front, so that way you're aware of it. If you say, I don't want to listen to that, that's fine, I totally understand. We've got so many episodes you can listen to, but you don't have to worry about that. If you choose to continue to listen to it, I just want to let you know that ahead of time. I thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversations About Dot Dot Dot. Please do enjoy. Dig this. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another fun back episode of Conversations about dot, dot, dot. This is Will. I get the honor and privilege to be able to come to speak today with Stone Abdullah. Stone Abdullah is going to be going on awesome Kickstarter. He's an awesome phenomenal writer. He's, uh, well, not only well-versed in education, but more importantly, a lot of things going on. He's a, he's a welterweight champion. <laughs> <laughs> In the white corner, weighing at 210 pounds. Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> or, oh know, my man. god! I, I like Michael Buffer. But I like his brother better. But he's like, it's time. <laughs> I almost feel like he's gonna. Like, if him and Jim Ross were ever doing, like, commentary for any event, like, you're scared of which one would have a coronary event first. Right. I'm, I'm scared. I would bring, I would I'd say, let's, let's get a cardiologist, at yeah. least. Can we get you a vascular surgeon? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just make sure they're okay. If Stone Cold <laughs> Steve Austin shows up for any reason, that Jim Ross is going to lose his mind. Mind. <laughs> Every single time. Stone cold. Stone cold. Stone cold. Stone cold. Stone cold. Stone cold. <laughs> He's coming in there. He's walking a mud hole and stomping it dry. Everybody's getting stuttered. It's on Batman. It's on Batman. Three people are running. It's crazy. Holy it was a- almost been upset. I stole those in Austin. It's like he was, oh man, I loved it. He got you into the match. You yep. were there. That's yep. why I, I loved that, man. And you wanted to oh, be there. God. That was the thing. Like, if yeah. you're sitting there, like, sitting there watching TV, like, you know, in the I'm world out of my seat. Yeah, in the world of multitasking, you can't do that with your Ross because right. he brings you into it. Like, it's like, uh, one of my it's favorite. An experience. Jim Ross moments ever probably was Rockin' Austin the Ooh. second time Ooh, in Houston, Texas. Yeah. The second time in Houston, Texas. And man, I'm telling you, Jim Ross just talking about the accolades, rock and the, the um, and the accolades of Stone Cold and just Stone how Cold, yeah. he broke them down as they walked through the ring. And then right. like Gary Lawler, of course, is doing the whole, there's several puppies. You know, he's doing the comedy bit. JR's yeah. a straight man. So JR is selling the whole thing, man. So, right. He's like a hype man. Also trying to figure out how to get the rock down. The rock is just hit him with a stone cold stutter. Or hit him with a, hey, a rock hit him with a stutter. How does that even work? <laughs> Austin just hit him with a people's elbow. What the? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I can't believe my eyes. Like it's just they just man. I mean, he made you feel big. Yes, watch that's, it. That's... I thought that was great. So anyway, we're we're 
if I were interviewing Jim Ross, I would just do you this, but I'm interviewing Samuela. <laughs> no, um, everybody doesn't start off as a guy who trains under uh, under several great people to where eventually he becomes the great Jim Ross, and not everybody comes out one day and. And, and declares it's clobbering time. And so he's the thing when you see him. Right. You know, but everybody has an origin story. So Stone, I'd like for you to share yours. Tell us about where you grew up, things you geeked out to as a kid, things you enjoyed, you know, and, and just take us kind of on a walk down memory lane from beginnings until close to now. Oh, man, I'll, I'll tell you. The, uh, well, thank you for taking me back down memory lane with... Uh, without that's because that's amazing and i miss it you know <laughs> but that but that was that kind of energy and enthusiasm i you know wish the I mean? product had that kind of energy now it doesn't and so i'm just saying i'm just saying but it, it don't but um man uh growing up i'll tell you the 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 crucial nuclei of my origin was my 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 mother reading this particular book to me and but actually to us it was me and my two big sisters and um mother may god be pleased with her she she read this book called don't be scared baby goofy this was a disney baby book printed in like 1988 right and so i remember sitting with my sisters and she had and my mother had this beautiful speaking voice you know what i mean and um she read this book about baby mickey reassuring baby goofy that what was happening in the natural phenomena in this storm was nothing to worry about. And Mickey was smiling throughout the whole damn book. Goofy was just freaking out. He's like, those dark clouds, bro, what's going to happen? You know, I'm paraphrasing. And then Mickey's like, no, 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 no. You got nothing to worry about, Mickey. Those are just clouds, bro. It's just a storm. You know, this is fine. Lightning strikes. Goofy's like, oh, it's, it's, it's so bright. And, and, and Mickey's like, oh, chill out, bro. You know, it's just, it's just lightning. See how it flashes? And then the thunder and all this other stuff. So one of those things that piqued my interest about that book was what, what was the difference between Goofy's disposition and Mickey's disposition? What was it that Mickey had that Goofy didn't? He knew something about all of this phenomena that was taking place to reassure Goofy that, you know, we're in the house and the storm's going to pass over. And when you know it, at the end of the book, it was a rainbow and all the, you know, forest creatures they didn't know they were ugly but all the forest creatures came out <laughs> and it was a happy ending so no as an animal in a disney world knows anything other than it's supposed to come out on cue it's just, that's, <laughs> you know i mean we're looking at you bambi bambi's um uh, that movie yeah was just, that was a sad moment remember oh i have to digress artax and the never-ending story oh my god he was like artax use the power of artax Artax, and I just, you know, you just watch that scene over and over, just cry for no reason. Anyway, back on track. <laughs> Never Ending Story is a great movie. So that part of me trying to figure out what was in Mickey's head was the, how do you say, the nuclei for me to look at uh, the world. Uh, this, this observation into natural phenomena. So then I started, um, we were homeschooled. My, me and my big sisters, my parents homeschooled, the three of us, and um, we, you know, of course, we didn't have a whole lot. My parents were entrepreneurs, self-employed. Yeah, they had been through the system, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they made that collective decision to homeschool us and do for themselves. And so a lot of that in the environment, because we were, we were with each other more time, more often than not, you know, 24, right. whatever. So we always heard what our parents were discussing. If they watched something like over, over the Gulf War, yada, 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 or they watching C-SPAN, 
from Nickelodeon to whatever, we got perspectives from, you know, our parents. Another thing was that when I was born, my father, may God be pleased with him, he was 48 when I was born. So we all, I already had, you know, we had somebody that was in the household, or both of them, actually. We had our, our older parents, over the three of us, that have walked through this life, and they saw, like they had this magic in, intuition. I still, I don't know how they have it. You know, parents have it. And they had this intuition to see something in the child, and then they just fostered it. So what they did, they bought us books. You know, back in the day, we were still, you know, we still had encyclopedias. You probably heard me talk about this, like on Josh's show the other day, yeah. uh, last night, rather. And um, from my standpoint, I was looking at the, uh, I was looking at the encyclopedias that talked about weather phenomena or natural phenomena. I looked at the stuff about uh, the tornadoes and the hurricanes, earthquakes and mudslides, all this other type of stuff. I said, man, and volcanoes used to scare the living shit out of me. You know what I mean? I was just like, what? That exists on the earth? You said they could put us in an ice age? What is an ice age? And it just kept going on and on. So um, I said, well, this is really cool. Uh, what, what, what else is out there? So then I started to see that we have other planets and I learned about the solar system. You know, um, this is as a kid, yeah. right? I mean, we're watching shows. I mean, we have, we got Transformers, the original Transformers, by the way, y'all, the, the animated trans, okay? Y'all don't know where we come from, this original, no. Yeah. Transformers. We are talking about original X Men. We're talking about original all this stuff. So it watches the Power Rangers. Um, oh, man, oh, what was it? Oh, Voltron. Yeah, Voltron. Voltron. Yep. Oh my God. Um, so that's this. These these things are happening too. Like it's like oh my God because it gets your imagination. Yep. But at the same time, I'm like okay, so aliens. That's a thing. All right. So extraterrestrials. Do they really? Do they exist? So, you know, I'm asking my mom and dad these questions to be like, we don't have any evidence of any, you know, life outside of planet Earth. I'm like, but that doesn't mean you can't study what's outside of planet Earth. I was like, cool. So my mother, I was about like maybe seven, eight years old. And she was looking through a catalog. And she was like, well, what do you think about this book? And it was Discoveries in Science and Nature. I'll never forget it because I gifted it to my nephew of my, uh, my, uh, my oldest sister. He's like nine now. And um, Discoveries in Science and Nature. And I looked at it. And I was just like, I was like, mother, that's the book. And it came in, it was 200 pages of just science from physical phenomena to outer space to like wow. biology and chemistry. I was like, this is great. And I said, and I don't know how many times I flipped through that book. Cause I, I was, I was reading like thesauruses and dictionaries. I asked my mom, I was just like, can I read? She used to read to us before we go to bed. And I was like, well, can I read a dictionary? She's like, you can read what you want. And I was like, okay, fantastic. But then when I got this book, it became my best friend because it turned my imagination on to be like, yeah. what the heck? This is Mars. What is that red spot on Jupiter? Oh, Saturn's got these rings. And Saturn became my favorite freaking planet. I was just like, how in the world do you get those rings? Why don't we have rings? You know, why doesn't the, why does the moon have so many? Then you start asking questions, right? right. So then all uh, what they did, my, they, my parents, they, they just gave him more science books. As I'm watching all this, you know, because you're looking at these cartoons, it's science fiction, you know, from these, these robots from outer space from another planet, right? We're talking about Transformers. That's science fiction. Yep. That's science fiction at its core. When you looked at Power Rangers or from, uh, uh, from, from Ronin Warriors to Thunder, all that, all that was science fiction, right? So I was like, hmm, <laughs> maybe, maybe one of these is I, I would like to write a story. But I wasn't there, you know, because I'm still studying, whatever. 
So we're going to fast forward a little bit to where I'm just now getting out of high school and stepping into the world. I said in 2001, 2001, we finally got the internet, right? And, uh, oh man, anybody that uh, was not born, everybody born in year 2000s, you're not going to know what dial-up is. It's basically a fax machine. And yep. we, in you know, 56 kilobytes per second. You know, if you were lucky, you got a uh, 128. <laughs> you could download a five, you know, five meg JPEG in maybe six or 16 hours, depending on the speed. So we right. got internet, and then it, it, it. I was like, well, now we've got these these places where I can write down things electronically. I was like, well, all right, well, let's take advantage of that. And my sister, I credit a lot to her, the youngest of my big six, uh, six big sisters. Um, she's like 13 months older than me. And we were always like hanging tight, doing whatever. So when we were kids, she's the illustrator. I don't, she's way more talented than I am. You know what I mean? Like she can, she's, she's a nurse now, but she's a freaking brilliant illustrator. I don't know how she, where did that come from? Because my parents, they didn't draw anything, but she just, she had it. And um, so when we were growing up watching these shows, my sister started drawing and I started you know, we started giving voices for them, skits and whatever. And then I was writing down the, you know, the, uh, what do you call speech bubbles. Uh-huh. She was illustrating and I was the writer. We were doing this when we were like eight and nine years old because we were, That's awesome. we liked to, we were, we liked to see, you know, we're just emulating what we were observing. Yeah. And uh, we would we would show our parents and stuff. And they were just like, wow, that's cool. You guys keep going. So we had this, we were like, oh yeah, this is cool. So let's keep going. We were writing our own version of Superman. Uh, we came up with our own superheroes, blah, blah, blah. And um, so then, okay, back, fast forward to the internet. So me and my sister, we decided to learn HTML and we built our little website off, of, you know, some web hosting like Angel Fire. Y'all don't know what Angel Fire GeoCities is. Go look it up. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what Lyco search engine is. You know, you know there are it. several people that are probably listening to this that never heard of MySpace other than in passing reference. If you think about how what? dated we are. Yeah. We, uh, shit. <laughs> I just had an existential moment. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, hey, it is what it is, but it's cool. I know that vestige of history. So, man, um, this is before my, you know, this is before MySpace. You were making your own little HTML web pages, and we decided to write our own little stories. My sister would come up with like a character concept or whatever, and then I would be like, hmm, that's interesting. Let's give them this. And then we wrote these little things, and we started inviting people from message boards to our website. We developed, I think the website's still live. I don't know. I should check on it. But <laughs> you know what I mean? we started if some some people start with fan fictions and they still do it but then we did that for about uh four to six months and we got tired of replicating other ideas because we wanted to come up with our own shit like we were doing back in the day so this is where i took it upon myself i said hmm why not so i was was telling my sister sakina is her name her name and i said i'm thinking about a story i said i'm going to come up with it and i said i'm going to show it to you you know when you when you get up and the name of the story at the time was called um, Shadow's Journey. It wasn't Journey of the Shadow, it was Shadow's Journey. And I remember explicitly, this was in like October of 2000, right? That I came up conceptualizing it. And I came up with this idea to have like this, there's this dark power that, you know, it's on the earth and it's, 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 it's impacting humanity some way in a spiritual way, like dark arts and sorcery. But then you also have sci-fi shit happening. There's aliens that come in and, you know, you got this character interactions, there's comedy and there's action. 
And I had all these ideas, but they didn't coalesce because I'm still like, you know, what am I, 12 or something? You know, I, I know, 13. Anyway, math, math is hard, guys. <laughs> if that Barbie toy taught us anything, it's math hard. <laughs> it's math. It's, it's very hard. Shout out to you, Mattel. All right. Sponsor. So <laughs> I, uh, I started drafting. Um, oh, yeah, I skipped over a part. So when our little our physical notes, we were um, between like after we got through studying for our four or five hours of the day, then I would write down these little outline, literally outlining, you know, with a pen and paper. And then when we finally got the internet, and we had a web hosting site, I was just like, let's convert this from paper to HTML and just see how we can, how it looks. Then I was just like, damn, we really have something here. So I said, okay, well, let's keep building. Then all these characters started popping into my head. You know, I'm still watching. This is where I got more into like the new, newer age of anime, right? Oh, the Outlaw Star, the Evangelion, uh, Tenchi Muyo, the Love Hinata, and uh, oh my God, it's Escaflowne, blah, blah, blah. There was a huge consumption, yeah. you know, period, you know, where you'd be like, wow, all these other types of ideas exist. This is really fucking cool. Lupin the Third, Gundam 0083, the Gundam series, period. Um, but then I'm just going to skip it a little bit further. I say, hmm, there's a point where in my head, it was just like, when me and my sister decided to stop writing like fan fiction and start doing our own shit, same thing happened to me. I was just like, hmm, I love all these shows and yada, yada, yada. But I, I've, I've, I've taken in enough information. I've taken enough information. Let's see if we can put things to action. So what I did, what I did, is this is still part of the origin story. Yeah. What I did was I muted, the t I muted the television, right? And maybe, you know, we still had CDs, kids. CDs, the physical <laughs> things where you put into a device and you hit play. <laughs> God forbid you had a scratch all the way down the center because that bad boy would skip worse than skip to Malu. Okay. You were doing some double dutch back in the days with our CDs. But anyway, we we I put on the CD or whatever it may, maybe it was Fuel or Matchbox 20 or Jaheem, or maybe we still had Frankie Beverly and Maids. For crying out loud. You know, this is the stuff that my parents grew up in. We had that a lady. Um, Who's that, that lady? Sexy lady. lady. <laughs> I was just like Ronald Isley. Yes. The Isley brothers, man. James Brown, man. And we had Diana Ross. We had the whole Motown. We still have the wax records at my, my parents' old house, by the way. Ooh, my big sister. Still nice. have all the Max Roach, man, uh Thelonious Monk. Ugh. Oh, shoot. Man. Kenny Burrell. My my dad was a big jazz fan. That's just a little bit of digression. My dad's history, like he used to work on the strip in Vegas when, you know, we, we still had the, like the boxers coming out. So he remember Sonny Liston. He met Muhammad Ali before he became Muhammad Ali and all these other types of stories he was telling me. I was just okay. like, man, that is, that's insane. So he had all this history, right? And all these characters. So when he was telling, sharing these stories with us, that had an influence upon me about this, you know, abstractionism of character development. And I didn't yeah. know it at the time. But, um, but anyway, all right. So then I said, all right, I don't know how to write. I don't know how to write like literary write. You know what I mean? Like I'm learning, you know, I'm doing essays on the Greek pantheon or Egyptian pantheon and the Norse this or whatever. But I'm like, okay, this is, this is academic writing, right? Yeah. This is essay formatting and yada, yada, yada. Let me see, how do they come up with these speeches? How do they come up with dialogue? How the hell do they structure it? What does a string of dialogue look like when they're sad or happy? Right. So I, this is when I muted the television and I looked at the closed captions and I said, well, let's see if we can replicate the emotion from what I see from the pictures to words. That's right. how I trained myself how to write. Oh, I didn't, 
It was, it, it's, it's unconventional. And a lot of people, every time I bring this to their attention, they say, oh, well, you know, did you go to a four-year institution to get like a, like a creative arts degree, a liberal, you know, what they call liberal arts degree? I'm like, no, you can, any human being can take any device and teach themselves how, how to do a particular thing. So, right. but it wasn't perfect. It was just a starting point, right? Because I was trying to learn, but mm-hmm. it gave me a foundation. So then, okay, off I go into the world, yada, yada, yada. And, um, you know, I'm still not, you know, taking in a whole bunch. I see a movie, or I'm still in a fandom once every once in a while, because now I've got characters in my head. I've got a commander of, of a warrior clan. You know, I've got goddesses now. I've got, um, I got these, you know, badass battle ladies from class four civilizations, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm walking around with these characters in my head right? As I'm going to work or you're going to school, now I'm in college. And I'm thinking, and I'm, every time you go, you finish your you know, homework, it was the same function. When you finish your homework, you go back to your computer. And now you're just, now we have Microsoft Word. 2003 kids, Microsoft <laughs> Word. <laughs> it right. wasn't great. It wasn't great. But it worked. But, but it worked. Okay. It worked. So now I'm saving stuff in the Word document and I'm like, hmm, journey of the shadow i said this is i said now we're then let's get a little bit more flavor to it i said because this character and i'll explicate i said this character has some mystery behind him commander sumisu and i said and it's almost like he's a shadow so i said but the story i'm trying to write is his journey through the world kind of like me i was like but you know i don't i'm not a shadow per se but i said all this mystic stuff that i can put into this character i said that sounds great so I renamed from Shadow's Journey to Journey of the Shadow to the approval of my sister, Asakina, uh-huh. because, you know, that was, she's always bouncing ideas off of me. So um, finally, finally, after I go through, you know, working in industry, being a district manager or whatever, got through, got my bachelor's degree. Hell, I was even married for four years, William. I was married for four, four years, started my PhD studies, started working as at a branch of the DOD doing, you know, supercomputing and AI machine learning and teaching this, that, and the third, but journey of the shadow was still in my head. And as I'm, right. you know, as, you know there's, there are certain parts of, you know, you, your walk through life that you don't have an opportunity to sit down and really get into the nuts and bolts of it like you want to. But the information that you save, that's the great thing about computers is that when you back it up, you know what you're doing. You know what I mean? You back yep. it up and you put it on an image disc and you just move it from computer to computer. So when I finally had an opportunity to look at it again, and I'm going to take you to 2015, I was like, I finally had the opportunity to take a look at the manuscript proper again. I was like, damn, this is, I'd like this idea because I forgot how many you know concepts I put together. Mm-hmm. So suddenly... Suddenly in 2016, Sakina, the same one that I was doing skits with when we were like eight, nine years old. Now she's got a little boy and she kicks me in the back of the leg. <laughs> she's five foot nothing, by the way. Both of my big sisters, they're five even, but they're big sisters. She's like, I'm tired of you sitting there writing this thing. You need to publish. Period. That's what she said. I was like, oh, okie dokie. Well, mm, all right. Oh, yes, ma'am. So then <laughs> he I went on yeah, the, that was the push. That was the push. So, you know, all this stuff that you see, like with the lights and the characters and stuff, all of this came to light because one of the individuals that was instrumental in nurturing to make to make sure that I didn't ignore the creative aspect, 
she was going through the academic stuff. Like I said, she's a nurse. She was going through all that other type of stuff, getting married, yada, yada. But she saw the value of the ideas that I had for all these years. And she was like, I'm tired of you sitting there not sharing this with the world. Go out there and do it because that's a part of yourself. And you're going to give people inspiration. That's what she said. That's what she meant. And um, I was like, okay. So in 2017, we published uh, Journey of the Shadow, Volume 1. And I didn't, I didn't think, but to be honest with you, William, I didn't think that somebody was going to be interested in my ideas because like I told you before, when I came up with it, it was a function of all these other shows, like, oh man, like Twilight Zone from Rod Serg the old school Twilight Zone from 1950s kids, the old school Outer Limits, the Alfred Hitchcock, you know what I mean? Like that sort of really heavy writing that you get within a 30 minute segment and you learn so much about the world and the characters and their adversities and the, the theme and the setting and the moral concepts behind it. You know, besides Rocky and Bullwinkle, we were, you know, watching this other type of stuff too. And so all of these types of modes of writing, right, of what you're trying to communicate were kind of, it was still working subconsciously. So initially the manuscript kind of read like an academic paper because I was in academics, right? So I was like, oh, I'm a published, I'm a published researcher now. You know, I'm doing this, I'm winning awards for peer review, this, that, and the third. But then she told me, she being again, she was like, you're writing a story. You're not, you're not writing a textbook. I right. was like, oh, right, right, right. So that sort of, you know, feedback helped shape and mold the difference between these styles of writing. And then suddenly the voices of the characters just start standing out. And the people that were reading this book, they were just like, I, wow, it was like being there is like you're watching. That's the response you would like to get that when you're reading a book that you're standing there observing the conversation or you're in that situation or you feel that world. I was like, oh, I didn't know I could accomplish this. But that happened with volume one. And uh, here we are today with me finishing writing the sequel, Darkness Falls, which is twice as long. And uh, my gosh, man, it's been one, it's been one amazing ride. It's been one amazing journey. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back a bit. Just a little bit, not too far, sure. just a little bit back. Uh, first things first, I'm gonna play a sound that not a lot of people have ever heard, much less have heard lately. I wanna make sure you can hear this. Okay. Mm, can't hear it. Play, nope, sorry, I know what happened, hang on. It's, well, volume is. I can barely hear it, but I hear some, I hear some digital tones. That's the dial up. That's dial up. Yeah, sounds. I hear it now. Yeah, there it is. That's the old dial up noise that somebody had. Oh. Yeah, somebody had it on YouTube. So. Oh, that's very feedback. For the people that have never endured that, endured <laughs> the weight that you had to go through. I mean. An hour. Just, two hours. Just imagine us talking about anime and manga. And imagine somebody says, hey, there's a new series of pictures from Evangelion's latest season. You know how long a picture took to download one oh. JPEG? To <laughs> if it was, oh my God, God forbid, it was one megabyte. It. You would not see it as the picture. It was, nope. you saw a sliding small sliver 
and it would just roll down ever so slowly as it was getting. It was like the weirdest tease. It was, <laughs> it was weird. Life. Be like, oh, there's Ava's hand. I gotta see the hand piece. Yeah. I, I see the eyebrows. I wonder I who's gonna eyebrows. be in the picture with him. I wonder if Shinji's gonna be in the picture. I wonder if Oscar's gonna be in the picture. You know, who's gonna be in it? Who's gonna be in it? What is this? I can't wait. And three who's hours later, spent five to ten minutes waiting for the one picture. Alone. <laughs> now, heaven forbid, if you had to scroll down and see the next picture, because oh, you have to go through that no. all over again. <laughs> you had to set aside everything that day to use the internet, especially exactly. if you're trying to look up some new literature, some new oh. visual literature of whatever fandom you know what I mean? it was it was an experience guys netscape 1.0 okay exactly as, as if it, it was you, you had to have been there it was literally one of those experiences so now you talked oh, about your sister and characters you guys created now yes. what i'm asking gonna ask you is first of all are these characters showing up in your work or have they not shown up in your work yet and is this something that you could expand on for later with the stuff you've already written? Excellent question. Because there what would be really cool, players. yeah, what would be really cool is to see a story with your you and your sister's name on it. And, that, no. okay. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 you're like right. A story with you and your sister's name on it to where your nephew could see, hey, uncle's going doing his thing. But you know what? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that mom and uncle were working together on some stuff. Right, right. He's he's like, how old is he now? That nephew is five, right? And oh man, he's sharp. As a matter of fact, he hauntingly reminds me of me. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's like, oh no. <laughs> so we gotta keep it close on. I said, I told my sister, I said, you better watch him. But um, what's really cool, what's really cool, William is that these influences of the characters, like the character development, um, they're, how do you say, not even abstractions, but there are certain elements of them that I borrowed from you know, these, these illustrations that uh, my sister was doing or the concept, you know, the conceptual designs. And um, I said, well, you know, that's a foundation. I said, well, let's, let's take it a step further. And you know, for the listeners, you guys can't, you know, see, I'm doing a lot of hand-waving or whatever. But in the, in the background, I've got like these 22 by 28 inch posters of um, six of the major uh, strong female characters that you'll find in Journey of the Shadow. Four, four of them, I would say, honestly, are extrapolations. That's the word I was looking for, William. They're extrapolations from characters that me and my sister kind of went over, particularly during the earlier 2000s, right? And I'll name them. The first, the first three are the, the matriarchal uh, deities in Journey of the Shadow, Goddess Rosaria, Goddess Evelyn, and the Shadow Maiden. No spoilers. You guys learn her name in the next book. But they're sisters. And I mirrored that little sister thing based upon the interaction I saw between my two big sisters. I was like, look, they're a force. I said, and then the, I caught, look at this, look at this. When I learned about Sheba, I learned about Queen Nefertiti and yada, 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 and doing these matriarchal rulings of you know queenship or you know empires i was like well that's that's pretty fucking cool i said what if we could extrapolate that to a metaphysical type thing you know because i'm i'm paralleling that with a greek pantheon yada 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 i was like but let's let's put some more absoluteness 
on it. Let's 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 reduce some of the oh they might do this or they might do that. I said mm, uh, let's let, let's let's take that down a notch and put some more strictness on this. You know this is what I was thinking. So in this sister thing, I said even though they're sisters, I said what is the representation of society? This is what I was talking about with the uh, the empires and stuff. The matriarchs. Mothers are the cradle of society. That's an old freaking proverb. I said, why don't we implement that with like titles of the sisters of the Novum? That's what they're called. So goddess Rosaria is a mother of knowledge. Got that prefix, mother of. Middle sister, Evelyn, mother of souls. Little sister, mother of power. So I was like, and so as I was learning all these things about the physical universe. I mean, when I was getting into general relativity and uh, quantum physics, oh boy, it just got wild. I was like, man, we could, we could really do a lot here, right? So I said, the mother of power could mean that, um, and no spoilers, but I'm just, you know, saying, as I was thinking, I said, the mother of power could mean that all the rules and dichotomies and edicts that her two big sisters came up with in the universe, she's like the grand overseer or something, you know what I mean? In that sort of way. So it looks at power in a different perspective. And that um, highlights a lot of, uh, what do you say, all these characteristics that we tend to ignore with women in our own society and how much power they have. Because I saw that power within my mother and how that, in, and how that was working with my father. I was just like, how are they accomplishing all these things with all these you know, all these adversities and all these things working against us and yada, 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 you know, in a poor state. Man, the, the type of magic that came out of my mom, it blew me away. Mm -hmm. It blew me away. So I was just like, man, so not only, to answer your question, William, not only did I extrapolate elements from the conceptual designs that the characters that I was making with my sister, I borrowed the influence of what, you know, what I observed from my mother upon my sisters or my mother upon my father and you know, et cetera. And I said, well, let's, I said, this is great. I want other people to experience that. So I said, well, let's slap it into these goddesses. Let's, why not? So, <clears throat> sorry, voice breaking, second puberty. <laughs> but <laughs> the, point, <laughs> the point being is that, um, you know, not only through these, you know, shows or the animes or the mangas that you see some influence of this, that, and the third, but from what you observe and, and taking abstractionisms from life, right? Who empowered you or who influenced you? And, uh, or, or you set all these, you know, great examples. So I was like, man, we've, we've got to make a representation of that. So I'll say mm -hmm. most of all, there'll be the goddesses. And the last one, um, you got, again, I'm doing a lot of hand waving, is this amazing character. Her name is First Lieutenant Arlette Sabater. She's a, I, I call her, well, the main character calls her Chocolate Angel. She's amazing. She's okay. like an elf. She's an elf. When I learned about elves in Warcraft, Warcraft, that's right, kids. There's this thing called Warcraft. It came out like, what, 2003, 2002? It Leroy is, Jenkins. It's, <laughs> <laughs> Leroy Jenkins, baby. <laughs> I learned. Leroy Jenkins. Now I'm going to go to sleep giggling about that. Um, so I learned about, I learned, I learned about elf race. I learned about elves and stuff, and that just, you know, got your imagination going. Like, like we talked about Thundercats, you saw, like, cat race of people, or lions and this sort. And I said, well, let's, I said, we've got to have an elf-like uh, extraterrestrial species in this story. So uh, that's why I decided to put First Lieutenant Arlette Sauveterre, uh in Journey of the Shadow. And a function of her 
persona. She's bright. She has this colorful, bright, bubbly personality. She's she gets super excited, and she can just light up the whole freaking room. She has a beautiful like storytelling voice. Borrowed that from my mom. But she has this other side. No spoilers. But she has this other warrior like side that that it it only it only comes up when something is activated. It's a catalyst. Again, I'm speaking vaguely. No spoilers. But you guys will learn about that in Darkness Falls. But uh, First Lieutenant Arlette Salvatare, third in command of the 31st Military uh, De uh, Devonian Military Police installation at the South Pole of Saturn. She has got another side, and my goodness, she is she plays an important role in all of Journey of the Shadow. Um, I hope that <laughs> I know I tend to get long winded, but my goodness, I say those are the four principal characters that I extrapolated from from my sister and also my mother. Okay, cool. And so we've seen a lot of inspiration. Do you ever think the day will come where, whether in book form or maybe in audio form, perhaps, we get some of those old stories that aren't ever been brought up into the world of or into the world you're writing about yet? Hmm. Like uh like the backstories and the it's history. The, the stories of the right, the stories that you guys came up with together before the the, the oh, oh, your sister oh, pushed. Like your sister like, did the push and said, "Almighty push," and was all like, "Go!" You're just like, "Okay, I'm working it out. I'm, I'm doing it. Thank you. You can stop kicking, <laughs> please. Yeah, for powerful kick for being. He's so doing sure. like 14 uh, different chakras trying to get you to get all that stuff yes, out of your brain. <laughs> she pulled a Naruto uh, or a Sakura uh, or a Hanada. <laughs> okay, but anyway, guys. Anyway, guys. That's not the point. The point is, and I'm answering your question, that we found. Some of our old comics, man, it's like we staple them together on like that old leaflet paper or like the rule paper. And it's all brown now, but you can still see the colors because we're using like the uh, colored pencils. Um, but I think those those stories, I asked her one day, this might have been because I'm thinking, I think I asked her in either 2019 or the beginning of 2020. I said, you think we could repurpose this? She's like, well, you know, look what happened with Journey of the Shadow. And so and that's where it is. So the question is, it's out there. You know, it's, it's a possibility. What I'm looking at is, you know, now that we had from, you know, you have childlike narration, childlike imaginations, but there's like some good ideas. But now that we've come to of age, we've experienced all these things, and we're now inspired by a lot of different influences and people we meet and et cetera, et cetera. I, I see the possibility of these stories coming to life, either as, you know, converted into like young adult or whatever, or they can be left as like polished over children's superhero books because that's really popular. Go to Amazon or whatever. You look at, you go to YouTube and you see people uh, doing the, um, you know, they're reading over these children, these children's books. And, 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 my, and my sister does that. Now, the same thing that my mom does. Now she's doing for her kids and the other sister's doing the same thing. Reading bedtime stories or whatever. And I was just like, dude, you know, I called my sister, dude. I was like, dude, we made, superhero stories we could convert these into like children's books she yeah. said well what i want you to do is to narrate some children's books i'm like i've got a talent agent we're trying to do that right now you know she's <laughs> kicking me over the phone now because she's in north carolina <laughs> i'm telling you big sister she could bring down the hammer big sisters yeah. plural but um the potential is there all the only thing william is just it's just a function of time and dedication to that project okay. but the material my friend is not lost that's what i wanted to get that material is not lost okay. she found them when we were clean kind of clearing up the clutter in the house and then she walked in she showed me she said stone look at this i was like no way this stuff is like 
20 something odd years old, right? Yeah. I did I didn't know we still had it. But it's ideas, it's originality, it's the creativity, it's the inspiration for that world that you had. And you want to bring that and share that with like other kids. That's beautiful, right? That's the art yeah. of writing. So that material is not lost. And I would say, my friend, that is a definite possibility. Okay. We, we, we've, we, we've got the receipts. <laughs> what, you, what, you, what you ought to do is y'all say, sis, I'll get on an audio book and read, but you got to be, we got to get the two sisters on and some of the female characters. Yeah, we, we I got, will we got do a, the narrator and the male voices. If I, you know, and you may get some friends, you, know, you may go to like Fiverr or something, get some people, to yeah, do like some good voices, and you know, pay them small amounts to kind of do so much or whatever. You're reading these character lines. I don't need right. you to necessarily know the whole story. I just need you to get these character lines out. You Can know, you read this for me. Appreciate it. Can you read? Yeah, that? do that. Appreciate you know, it. and then there you go. And so you've got these people. You've got this fluid, and then you're creating this audiobook experience that is fluid, but it's also family. Right. You know, it's this idea right. of a heartbeat that goes into it and passion. And you can even talk about it at the beginning. Like, look, here's the deal, man. You know, my sister and I sat down and did these stories and ran back and forth and did all these things. So yeah, we're sharing it with you. But the thing is, the ultimate reason we're doing this is so that the kiddos can hear these stories and hear how their their parents put these stories together and their family put these stories together. Yeah, you get that unification. And, and it even speaks uh, to your mom and how she read those stories to you. Yes. So now you're basically carrying on that tradition as well. That's correct. It's a function of carrying on what they did for us as kids. And we're just bringing it, it's, 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 it's sharing. That's part of the human experience, right? But it's constructive and it gives you that um what are the words for that positive reinforcement that's what it mm -hmm. is that positive reinforcement that it's okay to imagine it's okay to be creative it's okay to embrace that part of you that wants to wonder and ask questions about what if that's one of the most powerful tools that a child can have it's asking what if you know they have a foundation of something but then they ask they go further down the line and say what if this is the type of you know material that we were, we being me and my sister, that we were asking ourselves, hey, what if we did? And the sharing that is that's empowering all these kids to say, well, there's no, there's, man, there's many of directions they could go with the power of what if, this, that, or the third. So just the, the power of putting that into the either, you know, a reading format, or if we can get into the audiobook format, that would be something really freaking phenomenal. And like I said, my sisters have wonderful speaking voices because, hey, you know, daughters of my mom, you know. Yeah. But um, man, it would I, that that that's that's great. But that's something that I personally personally look forward to because you know, even though I'm t undertaking all this journey in the shadow, it's like taking off and doing its own thing. You don't forget those other ideas. Yeah. You don't forget those other ideas because they're a part of you. They came from you, right? So yeah. at, it's it's one of those things that I look forward to to say, you know what? Now, now we can tackle this. This looks like an awesome time. So I think, my friend, I think you should look out for that. Somewhere down the line. Okay. Somewhere down the line. I will uh, pull her into, I will pull a her on her and be like, hey, remember these comics? <laughs> Let's get to it. Let's, Let's it. bring these stories to life. Let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're going to kind of kick back for a bit. Now, you mentioned 
about comics that you all created. What were some comic books that you were, did you get into comics books? That were, I, I, started, I know you talked a lot about cartoons and stuff, but were there yeah. comic books and things like that that you got into that really fostered a lot of the creative juices that were flowing as well? Bro, you would be surprised. You would be surprised when I tell you that we didn't have a whole lot of comic books. I, we didn't. It was, it, it's, it's interesting because um, a lot of our creative, especially as my, you know, looking at my sister as a, you know, a visual illustrator, looking at where she got her inspirations from, it still kind of boggles my mind. Like I said, she's really good. Um, but we didn't have a whole lot of comics. What we did have, I think were, uh, I talked about all these encyclopedias and yada, yada, yada. And we were doing all these, now I'm, I'm investigating. We were doing all these studies about other cultures. Yeah. Dad would always throw these essays on us to study other people's cultures, like the, like the Inca and the Mayans, uh, uh, the, the aboriginals, man, the Maori of New Zealand, et cetera, the Chinese, the King dynasties. What we saw in all of those studies was all this fantastic artwork that the, all these other cultures were generating. Uh -huh. And you know what, if you, extract, if you look at it from its basis, what everybody had these cultures with their own origin stories of creationism, et cetera. Oh yeah, and with the native and indigenous people of the United States, yada, yada, yada. When you look at it, it's almost like there were comics in themselves. When you look at the hieroglyphs of Egypt, when you look at the hieroglyphs of the, of the Mayans, et cetera, et cetera. And they're telling stories with what they were writing down on their walls of their own pyramids and stuff. So it was like, it, this is really, it's, it's crazy to say, but as we were studying history, we were learning stories. This is stories that ancient people were t telling each other and share, you know, through, um, uh, what's this word? Spoken word, right? Through spoken word. But the, also these cultures, they were, they had their own depictions and no two cultures had their own form of depicting what like a, a, a person looked like or what their deity looked like. Because the Egyptians look, you know, their artwork was a hell of a lot different from the Mayans, which was a hell of a lot different from the aboriginals, which was a hell of a lot different from the Japanese, right? So we studied all these different forms of how people perceived in their imagination. And it was almost like reading a comic because you're looking at all these stories. And don't get me started on Shintoism because they've got like, what, 2,000 gods or something? Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it was, we couldn't go through the whole thing. That's too much time. Right. But um, it, was, it was fascinating to see all these different nations on the earth with their different forms of trying to understand who they were and their purpose like in this life. And then they had these depictions of humanity and their origin and whatever their creator was, et cetera, et cetera. So I would say an explicit answer to you that the, the kernel to that imagination was studying what these other cultures were doing. What were they perceiving in their surroundings? Because remember, we didn't have newspaper, we didn't have radio, we didn't have TV, yada, yada, yada. So while they're out there in the desert or they're in the jungles or whatever, and they were looking at the stars and the heavens, and they, we came up with constellations, what sort of imagination do you have to have to look at a, a, black, a black canvas? You see a bunch of tiny white dots, and you'd be like, you know what? I think that's a bear. Does that look like a bear to you, Jim? Oh, it looks like a bear to me. And then suddenly you've got this map of constellations. You've got to have one hell of an imagination as a people to come up with characters in the fucking sky. Excuse me, but it's amazing. They came up with comics in the sky and we call them constellations, right? 
So, um, and we learned about dipper. that. This one's a little dipper. <laughs> that's a little. That's, that's a little dipper. And then we got a. Uh, it got Ursa Major, Ursa Minor, and this is. Oh, that one's a Capricorn. Uh, this one is a. That's a fish. Well, how do you know that's Orion's belt? Where's Orion? No, 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 no. That's his belt. That's the see. belt. Yep. That's the belt. I'm like, what? And so that asks you. That puts you further down the spiral of what if, right? These people were saying, what if that were a dude who was wielding a club? And those three dots, Sirius being the biggest star, was the, you know, that that's his belt. That sort of imagination. Yeah. So that so that coincided. Now I'll say it again, that coincided with us like watching this stuff on, you know, seeing the shows on TV with like the Transformers and et cetera that I mentioned. That uh man, that really, now that I'm looking at it, and that's a great, very great introspective question, because I I had never thought about that before. I'm like, where in the world? Did all of these, you know, depictions, these illustrations, these visualizations, where did they come from before we were introduced to like all these other fandoms? And they came from studying all these different cultures on the planet. Before we had comics, man, we had art on the walls, on the caves and stuff. Um, and I think now looking back at it, my parents, God rest both their souls, they, they knew that. They, there was something about that to introduce it to all three of us to show us that the world was bigger than what we saw on like 12 news at, you know, six o'clock, or it was bigger than what CNN was showing or all this other type of stuff. They gave that to us to generate perspective. It was genius. None of them, you know, they, they, they graduated high school, but my God, they had like professor level knowledge because it was life that gave them that knowledge, that wisdom. And I, I'll tell you one thing straight up. I'm incredibly grateful for both of them for their insight, their foresight, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that it wasn't, an, it, it wasn't a, a total objection or whatever from my parents like, to just give us comics because and down in Mississippi, we didn't have a whole lot of access to like comic book stores or yada, yada, yada. Right. When you talk to like other kids, like my mom was a quote unquote candy lady, right? And of the neighborhood. And so we had all these different, you know, uh, great levels coming to our door and we we're selling them chips and soda or whatever. Um, but even though that was the case, you didn't have a culture of, uh, of, lot, of a lot of comics at all. A lot of times it was somebody that was like trying to get the latest shoes or the latest like streetwear. And when we finally got a game system or whatever, they would talk about the newest video game or something. But comics were never really a central part or even a secondary part of the yeah. conversation. I guess that only took off only in, in the 2000s, to be honest with right. you. So when we were growing up, man, it was it was pure imagination extrapolated from like other cultures, other societies. And it's, boy, when you learn about them, it's, you just, especially as a kid, it's like, wow. I mean, they're, they're, listen, listen, guys, there's some horrible stuff that the, that the Incas drew when they were like snatching out people's heart because they was trying to give it to the sun god. I was like, they were doing what? And they're letting the blood run where? I was just like, okay. <laughs> okay. It wasn't you know, just Mortal Kombat, kids. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't just Mortal Kombat. Finish him. They were finishing people up on those those, those pyramids that you now uh, go to uh, tour. But um, yeah, as tourists. But you see that and you're just like, wow. That's how far they took it. That's how far they said, what if? You know what I mean? And so that sort of perspective, to give it to you, and then, you know, you had the guidance of your parents or whatever, 
Um, but to give you that sort of broad perspective of so many cultures on the planet at such a young age and to keep studying about them as you're growing up, my goodness, man, like your imagination, is, it, was, it was limitless. Mm-hmm. So in the absence of comics, we had textbooks, but textbooks in the, in the format of what we were studying, and it was other cultures. It was fascinating. That would be an interesting podcast to do. You know, Josh was talking about, Josh was talking with you about, you know, why why you don't do podcasts. It seems like you'd have a voice for it. It's like, you know, it'd be interesting to hear uh, stories from the encyclopedia. Uh. (laughs) Where you sat down and took a a section of something and just sat there really expanded on those points. But then talk about how, okay, this encyclopedia is from the year. Right. I know. That would know, actually be really freaking sick, dude. In yeah. the land of the internet, we don't deal with encyclopedias, but they do exist. They, yeah, guys, there's this thing called Britannica. Okay, look it up. I don't know if they exist. We had New Book of Knowledge, Young Readers Library. These were encyclopedia names. Webster's. Webster wasn't just a dictionary. They had a whole encyclopedia series. Before mm-hmm. Wikipedia, where before Wikipedia and before uh, was it Julian Assange or whatever? Before any of that yeah. stuff, we we had we had we actually had these things called libraries. <laughs> they, they had all they these still exist, kids in rare places. But they still in, in rare, yeah. I mean, you just got to be careful, okay? When you step into it, it's real quiet when you go there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but somebody we, may say something about somebody named Dewey. No, that's not Dewey. It's one of the three. Uh, it's one of the three nephews of Scrooge McDuck. It's actually a Dewey decimal system that you had to go through in order to look up books. Yep, yep, yep. That's it's that's ex- well, he, William's not lying. Just listen to William, okay? He was he was there. <laughs> I was there. That's true. By the way, you it's mentioned uh, you mentioned this constellation. And you said something about Ursa Major and Ursa Minor. And yeah. when you said something about Ursa Major and Ursa Minor. In my mind, it automatically took me to MCU, and it took me to Marvel uh, Comics because there's a character in Marvel whose name is Ursa Major, uh, who is a dude who's a mutant who can transform himself into a gigantic humanoid bear. <laughs> and so, look at in that. the Black Widow, they actually reference that character. I don't think he transforms into a bear in Black Widow, but that character's there. Yeah, so no. see, look at that. Look at that. See, look at where the inspiration for that Marvel ca- character came from. Ursa literally being bear. He transforms, he's, he's the embodiment of what that constellation represents in the first place. Isn't mm-hmm. that amazing? Is that so human beings, the origin of our you know, creativity or of our imagination, it's, I would say, that is universally rooted in a lot of things that we've, you know, a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, there's nothing new under the sun. But in its innovation, but the inspiration behind that, where do we take it? How do we represent it? What does it look like? Look at that Marvel character. That's insane. That's great. That's the type of uh, creativity that you would hope to see, to say, well, even though this came out 5,000 some years ago, that doesn't mean that we can't reimagine it somehow to repurpose it. And I think, if I, uh, I'm not going to try to sound preachy with it, but that was one um, goal that I wanted to accomplish in my writing, you know, as I went further on down the line and see the importance of storytelling and the importance of trying to reach another human being to give them something. I said, man, look at, look at, the, look at what superheroes do for someone that, that they, they empower and they inspire, they imagine, they give you motivation, look at bravery and courage. And what do they do when they're confronted with adversity and all these other types of things? 
that superheroes like, man, the great Stan Lee, et cetera. You know, we can go down the line. Um, and I said, well, my goodness, you know, I'm not Stan Lee by any stretch of the imagination. I can't draw for, you know, I could, I could give you a good circle, maybe a good triangle. All right. <laughs> but <laughs> on a good day. But I said, what, what can I do to paint these pictures with words? I said, what can I do with that to shape these worlds, et cetera? And to, you know, to pull you in, in what I'm saying is to bring out the meaning behind these characters, to bring out the meaning behind the world that they navigate in and how they impact that world. Maybe as, as, the, as the population at large, how do they perceive these characters if they're aware of them? You know, how, does, how do our governments, as we know them, our institutions, how do they perceive these characters as we look, look at the uh, X-Men, for example? Everyone's just like, oh, those guys are freaks. You know, you know the whole story. But um, this type of uh, uh, extrapolation, right, into bringing up the meaning behind what is it that you're trying to communicate to the reader mm -hmm. and with your characters. It's not, it's not abstract. I don't want to just slap a pretty face in front of you. You know what I mean? I don't want to slap, uh, okay, here's a big burly dude with no principles or whatever. Like he's just strong and just knocks everything over. And that's, that's droll. You, you know what I mean? This, that has no meaning. Like, okay, what I used to do, what I used to do in the classroom um, uh, when I was teaching physics, calculus-based physics and oh man especially it got really interesting in electromagnetism and uh -huh. you guys i'll spare you all the whatever nerd talk but maxwell faraday equations kids look it up and fourier transform methods look that up too but when they when they when the students came to me and they turned in their assignment or whatever and i saw a naked number in physics there's no such thing as a naked number it's got a unit attached to it either ohms or its capacity or resistance, or there's a weight or a surface, you, it's got something on it in physics. So when you come back to me with a naked number, I don't know what that means. I'm okay. going to dock you three points for not putting the unit associated with that. This is mass, or it's weight, or it's gravity, or whatever, meters per second, velocity. But that sort of extrapolation, right, of saying, well, what are we associating in terms of meeting with these characters? What, what are the, this is what Joshua said, the characters that experience, um, well, they, they, they've experienced loss, they've experienced depression, they're experiencing some sort of, you know, what, whatever adversity that we encounter ourselves in life, you can extrapolate that in terms of a superpower, or as an ailment, something like Superman and kryptonite, anyone has a kryptonite, everybody has a kryptonite, you know, that could be, oh my gosh, you could go down the line. But that's the type of meaning that I looked at introspectively with myself when I was investigating um, the, learning how to write, literary writing, so to speak. That's what I was looking at introspectively in developing these characters, and especially the main character, Commander Simusu, that I didn't want to, you know, even in the absence of not having a whole lot of like comics and not being like the best, you know, comic guru on the planet or whatever, you don't have to be. You don't have to. You don't have to uh, have a whole library of science fiction books from Asimov. Like he's like one of the most prolific science fiction, you know, writers on the planet, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but you don't have to be a Carl Sagan scientist in order to tell people about the solar system either. You don't have to be any of these things. You don't have to compare yourself. All you have to do is have the inspiration uh, or the passion, right? And the motivation to say, guys, this is really cool. Look at this. And suddenly you're, suddenly you capture a whole, uh, maybe generation or a whole new audience that would uh, they would have ignored that otherwise. That's what you want. That's what you want to capture. 
their uh, imagination. And maybe they'll start asking themselves as adults, man, what if, you know, because kids, they do it all the time. They're like machines. They, you know, that's, that's the beauty of kids. They just, I, I, it's hard to capture or to keep what we call it, that inner, that inner child. That inner mm-hmm. child is a powerful tool. But keep, keeping that imagination alive, my friend, I would say that that's one of the best saving graces in uh, our ability as creatives, right? Regardless yeah. if you're a musician, you're a visual artist, you're a literary artist, it doesn't matter. Reaching that inner child to ask yourself, what if? And just giving that part of the human experience that you know society makes you forget as you get older. Oh, we've got bills. Oh, we've got this. We've got responsibility, blah, blah, blah. But that other reality still exists. It still exists. So giving back, I suppose, that's the like the big, yeah. the big story. Yep, definitely. So, I mean, you look at that, and I mean, I, I tell this story a lot. So I've told it before. You know, uh, I wrote a book called, I wrote and illustrated a children's book called Obviously Santa's a Spy. And so uh, <laughs> growing up as a Obviously. kid, I asked the questions of my mother. Uh, how does Santa Claus get in the house with those chimneys? I live in the projects. How does that work? Because uh, there's no chimney here. Matter of fact, there's a noisy neighbor upstairs. How are they getting in the house? What's that going on? <laughs> uh, how do they get in the house and nobody hears or sees him? Nobody gets pictures of Santa. You know, he's so big. What do you yeah. mean? Like, what do like, you mean? How, we missed him. Like, how's he just like poofing it out? Like, what kind of teleportation technology has he got? Because my mom's like, you know, I'm gonna. So one day we're at like the dollar store. She bought me a notebook. She says, whenever you have a question about Santa Claus, I want you to write that question down. Boom. There it is. There and it is. then at some point, I don't know how you're going to find the answer. When you find the answer, let me know. So about four or five years ago, I walked up to my mom and I handed her a copy of the book, Obviously Santa's a Spy. And she goes, <laughs> what is this? I said, this is a book I wrote. She said, okay, it's really awesome. It's really good. She says, that's Santa Claus on there. I said, that's my version of Santa. Yeah. It's like, you know, he tried to, it, I imagine my visual version of Santa is like a cross between the rock, um, Tom Hanks with the beard. <laughs> oh, man. And the white so we're beard, looking at it. And like yes. kind of a, a Terry Crease from Cobra Kai with the slick <laughs> back hair. Nice. Um, <laughs> and so it's kind of that. But now I'm actually working on another concept where it's a, not just one Santa Claus, but obviously it's a league of Santas. So you got to have Santa Claus that represents stuff from all over the place. Well, yeah. Because if a white guy shows up in the middle of Korea, how's that going to work? That's, I don't know how that, I don't know. You know, I don't, how, how did he escape? If he shows He's not up going to Africa, North Korea. How's that work? Well, what if there were different Santas from all over the place that came together? And had meetings, and they were all spies together. But they were brought in because of something charitable that they did, or something, you know, in a, in a, what what I call their former lives. I'm not gonna say past lives, but like yeah. say, and one of them, uh, he was a New York cop, and wow. he is a person that is, you know, he just he he especially has a warm place in his heart for children that are going through bad times, like. He's the type yeah. of person to like, if a kid doesn't have any place to go, he'll open up his home, you know, to where kids can come through and get a nice something to eat and something warm to eat, something to take care of, a place to sleep where they're not out in the elements and different things like that. Right. So sometimes, you know, you walk in his living room and there'll be 18 <clears throat> kids, you know, on the on the floors. 
He has his ground rules that he sets. It's like, look, whatever you came in with, that's what you leave with. Because I know where to find you if something comes up missing. Yep, I know where to find you, Santa knows. <laughs> but then also, hey, you know, we're going to treat everybody in here with respect. I don't care who's in here. Everybody's got access to the same stuff. If I got it, you can have it. That's right. You know, but we're not going to take from each other. We're not going to take from me. You know, we're going to do everything we can to work this through. If you know the kids that are dealing with it, bring them with you the next time. We'll right. And so then he gets grabbed, not really grabbed. What happens is the way it works is that there's one Santa every year that gets elected as the main Santa. That's so cool. Okay. Okay. They are the ones that are watching for the new candidates. Okay. So then they gotcha. bring in these candidates. And that's how that works. And so the idea is, is that once they are brought in, they get access to all the powers and the tech and all the abilities that Santa Claus has. And they can choose to continue doing what they do during their day job. But if right. the call comes, they're a, they're a Santa. They got to go. They, 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 they answer the call. It's, it's like a Justice League of Santas. That's yeah. what I was, that's really freaking cool. And oh. th this is Santa's obviously a spy. That's yep. the book. The yep. first book that's... is obviously Santa's a spy. And then He's I did a Pencil Ninja Adventures comic where I had a Santa story and actually got to do my own version of the Heat Old Miser. And I got to introduce my version of Rudolph in that. And Rudolph's a red-nosed reindeer, but it ain't because his nose is red, it's because his sniper lot side is. <laughs> so He's dialed what I basically in. did was said, okay, remember that character from Brave Star 3030 that could transform from a horse to a humanoid version? To a humanoid. Horse? Yeah. Yeah. Take that, except it's a reindeer. <laughs> Innovation. You you did. We we mentioned it before, kids. That's cool. See that? He's he's it's it's. What what am I trying to say? It's just it's just cool. It gives you a different outlook. It gives you a different perspective. It's almost like when you when you're talking about they go around and they're looking for new candidates, new Santa candidates. Um, but they're looking at contributors towards society. I'm looking at this overarching this more this principle that these are individuals that are working for the common good, for the greater good. And this is what a Santa kind of represents, you know, in its, you know, at, at its atomic element is that he's trying, this is this charitable, this is giving, this is bringing a unification, right, of community to say, hey, we've got to take care of this next generation of human beings, and we've got to step up and be the superheroes for them. And in that representation, of Santa Claus, that's just taking it to the next level, that these are people that you would see every day working, right? And, and, and they, might, they might work the stew pot or something, you know what I mean? I'm just coming up with different ideas. Right. And then all of a sudden, boom, they have a wristwatch that's just like, bro, get the wet, yeah, it's top, we, we gotta hit it. Let's go, yeah. let's go, yeah. let's go melt some bases by doing yeah. a whole lot of freaking good. Yeah that sort of extrapolation from like a common story, you know what I mean? Like, cause they're like, who didn't, who doesn't know about Santa Claus? Yeah. But the story that you wrote and the way you innovated from it based upon all of these other things, that's that, that allows the individual to say, there's a world bigger than what I'm seeing. It's that same sort of expansion of perspective. Mm -hmm. And that, and man, I want to, Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, and Krampus is like your Cobra commander of sorts. That's so, 
So you have like the heat miser and the cold miser who are both working with him. You have Jack Frost who's kind of in the middle. He's not sure whether he's going to be good or bad. You've got Neutral. the you've got the Frosty the Snowman, but he's an agent who's very cool, undercover, both literally and figuratively. And uh, figuratively. <laughs> you've got Mrs. Claus, and you've got the elves are not so much elves, but they're more like people in training. Gotcha. And so uh, the idea is gotcha, that gotcha. they are they are training to be. They could potentially be Santa's one day, but they're just under the auspice of Santa working with him. And yes, they make the toys and stuff too. But again, there are people that live in the real world that make a nice. difference in the real world, and then they're brought together certain things. Uh, I was trying the Bumble. Bumble was actually one of the bad guys. Wow. Um, and stuff like that. And like I saw something Chris, this Christmas. I saw something that was really interesting, which I'm gonna have to kind of address. Somehow. Okay. Uh, so you know how if Santa Claus knows where you've been sleeping, he know he know, knows when you're awake, he knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for good and safe, right? Right. The Rudolph the Red Nose song has a weird twist in it, is that uh, they all picked on Rudolph. Right. And they messed with him and did all this stuff. And then one day when it came to the point where he had to pull the trigger and save the world as was Santa and get them through this big old bad situation. He was all right. of a sudden counted as a hero, but he but Santa Claus would have known that the other reindeer were messing with him. And so I'm like, well, wait a minute, what if we take that and go, Santa had to learn a lesson about stepping in whenever you see a wrong? Correct. There we go. Fixing Bingo. the wrong instead of. Letting this escalate. Mm-hmm. Because you mm -hmm. don't know what the effect could have been had he stepped in. Bingo. Boy, that's boy, so, I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. it. That's something that bothered me for a long time. Yeah. It's like, you know, you think about that. It's just like, okay, so they picked on Rudolph all this time and it just so happened because his nose, he was basically he was, he was a red. He was a mutant. Yeah. He was a mutant reindeer. He had something that no other reindeer had. Right. He had a glowing red nose. And I mean, unless you follow the robot's chicken line, which then he's just, you know, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Uh, that's a whole different thing for a whole other day. But anyway, right. so it's like, so Rudolph didn't get the support he needed from the person who could have done something to fix it. Correct. From the from the inception. That. You're right. Yeah, he didn't address I, it. How can I address that in a way to where, boom, okay, here we go. Right. We're there. How can... Where where can we how can we reconstruct this yeah. to to describe to the people that if you see if you have the capability to intervene and remediate or prevent uh, an issue from occurring act act yeah. upon it that's the best outcome if you know it don't ignore it if you if you if you know it don't ignore it yeah. address the problem before right. it escalates because you yeah. don't know the trauma that's going to bring to that person down the line that could stay with them that will stay with them for life and then will manifest in different ways my goodness you know it seems like a very simple concept or whatever because it's persisted that little little thing about the reindeer picking on on rudolph and whatever because everyone's heard it for so long but that simple just a simple observation right to flip that on its head and say no santa is going to be responsible to say no this is this is zero tolerance of discrimination because that's discrimination from the other reindeer 
right? What is that teaching to the other kids whenever we sing these little jingles or whatever? And it's in a whole lot of popular songs too. Just because they make it sound good in the melody doesn't mean that there's nothing wrong. Right. You know what I mean? That's what's in the context of, of the words, right? So that sort of observation to see like, hmm, we, we can do something different here. Right. We, can, we can bring a better, a better perspective mm-hmm. for the kids because all of this Christmas stuff, particularly in the Rudolph and stuff, all that's directed towards a major audience, which is, which are children, yep. right? So it is upon us to be like, yo, we've got to develop something better as an example for them. <laughs> if we're saying that Santa knows when you sleep, and knows when you're bad. Well, he knew when the reindeers were bad, right? So logically speaking, he, he should act and say, no, this is not how we're going to operate in this organization. Yeah. What you've done, all I'm saying is, bravo, that's beautiful. It's such a simple observation, but it's so beautiful to turn that on its head and make that as a positive example, as a positive example to something mm-hmm. that's been longstanding for centuries. That's yeah. beautiful, William. I, I freaking love it. So, uh, 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 what's what's it? Santa, Santa's obviously a spy. It was that the first that's a spy. Was, no, not, that, was, spy. that was yeah. I was I wish I could say that was the first one. Uh, <laughs> I told someone <laughs> one day I said, if I could ever get a moment where all the ideas would just shut off. Mm, I know how that feels. To the point where I could actually just not hear anything for a little bit of time, just for even an hour. Maybe an hour. I would probably be at more peace than I've been in a long time. But at the same time, I don't want it to stop because as long as that creativity is going, that means there's an opportunity to get it out there. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So you've got so you've got the you've got the one book like you were telling like four or five years ago when you showed it to your mom. Yeah, and so and she now, of course was just like she of course was just like, of course you would write a book. <laughs> your own questions i was just like well i didn't find the answers anywhere else so i figured i, I was like i might as well be the one to answer you write it if you don't see the book where's that quote come from if you don't see the book that you want to read write it yourself so yeah. i don't know who i don't know who i the think heck it, said i think that. it's something to the fact if you don't see the thing thing in the world that you want to see then you have to be the one to create the thing yeah that you if you have to be yeah yeah and that's exactly that's a function that's what you did no one had that answer you're like, well, you said for me to write it down, mom. I and did. that's what that's Four what you years. did. And now I'm here. And, so and I think I think um but I was gonna piggyback on that just a little bit because my mom told me the same thing for years. She said, regardless of what it is, what what is this? What that that little because they knew how powerful that was. They know how powerful that was. My mother knew how powerful that was. She said, son, whatever it is you write it down. Like she was already teaching us, right? Like in homeschool from day one, right? About writing in the principle of writing because she used to be, uh, she was a administrative assistant in the, what the Arkansas governor, this is when Bill Clinton was, was governor of Arkansas. And so she was like an administrative assistant over there. And so she learned important doc, importance of documentation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when she was giving that principle to us, you know what I mean? She said, regardless how big or how small the, the idea is, write it down because you don't know what the outcome of that idea is. Right. That potential could be a lot bigger than what you realize in that moment. That's what she was saying. And that sort of empowerment, right? Because that's, I, I call that a loaded statement. That sort of empowerment is, I would say, another 
you know, what we talked about earlier in the program about, you know, watching all the shows and you know, inspiration, yeah. that was a, boy, that was a big underlying motivation to say, like, if I thought about something with respect to an idea I had creatively, I was just like, oh, oh, let me write that down because it was reinforced. Yeah. Right. Because it was the same principle as what your mother told you, because there was an answer. Your, this story was coming up in my head, but I didn't necessarily have the answer for like the, the 100% character development, 100% world building. I didn't have all the answers, but if I continued to write it down, I would eventually come to that answer. Yep. And boy, was she freaking right. <laughs> she was yep, right. There you go. And it's, 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 it's that simple, guys. So kids, listen at home, write it down. Your ideas aren't stupid. There's, 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 um, man, since I published this book, you know, and try to engage the audience and whichever in the readers, and I'm so thankful for them because I didn't never thought that anybody would be interested in my ideas. I was just like, wow, this is pretty freaking cool. But look what it's doing. It's inspiring other people to do what I'm doing. That's great. Right. We want more of that. That's beautiful. But what you find, what hurts me is that when, when, the, when the younger generation, they'll send me a direct message or they'll email me or whatever, and they'll give me these stories about how they, they, they wrote something. I don't care what genre it is. And they'll say, well, I shared it you know, to my friends or whomever, and they tore it down. They said, this was stupid. And they, they, you know, they rip all this self-esteem from them, and they'll start talking bad about themselves as a function of what they wrote. I was like, no. That is, that's, that's patently false. That's patently false. Your ideas are not worthless because I mean, everything came from something. Einstein's ideas about relativity came from somewhere when I'll just give you the origin story. He was looking at his freaking, he was in a motel or a hotel, sorry, one night and he was looking at the bed sheet and he saw how, I think it was his, foot that was like was propping the sheet up and he uh -huh. saw how the sheet was concave it was concave around it and he was like maybe what if this is how mass impacts other objects in the universe that's literally where it came from and he sat in that freaking hotel for or for i forget how many weeks and he developed the fundamental equations for general relativity and the mother was right just because he was sitting there looking at his foot in a bed sheet, looking at his foot and how it impacted the bed sheet. And he came up with this idea and he just wrote it out mathematically. I'm not saying you got to be Einstein, but when yeah. you present it to other people, they're just like, no, man, you're crazy. There's no such thing as black holes. That black holes, those are like unicorns. That can't exist. And now all of a sudden we've, we found proof of black holes at the center of galaxies, oh. right? So, you know, the scientific community doubted what Einstein provided in terms of what his observations were of the universe itself. So, and I give that as an example to other people. I'm like, listen, your ideas have, uh, th they have an atomic level. They come from somewhere, but that does not mean that they're worthless. Absolutely not. I said, yep. your worth is you. I said, your worth is you first. I said, it doesn't matter if it's a CEO of a corporation or whoever your teacher said, well, this is this, that, and the third. I'm like, my goodness, this is, comes from yourself. That's automatic value to this earth. I said, because no one else can tell this story the way you can tell it, except you. That's right. what makes it unique. That's what makes it unique. So we have got to, in this storytelling and this reimagining, like you were saying with, Sam is obviously a spy, right? Like, obviously. Like, I'm convinced he was a spy. But in that sort of um, depiction, and to give that example to young readers, right? To tell them, look, 
just because something pre-exists doesn't mean that you can't tell your own story. Right. And it also doesn't mean that it has no value. That's the n- principal function that I wanted to get to because it hurts me when they come to me saying that they think their ideas suck or whatever. Everyone starts, everyone learns. I learned. I had to learn. I had to learn mathematics. I sucked at mathematics, but it wasn't suck as in I didn't have an opportunity. This is what I told him. You probably heard this when I mentioned this on Josh's show. But when, uh. Uh, when the students walked into, I don't care if it's K through 12 or all the way to graduate, when they came through my freaking classroom door, I told them, you don't have a weakness. What you have is an opportunity. I said, all we're trying to accomplish is giving you the tools so you can get there uh, under your own accord. I said, because you have a certain understanding of the world. Yes, there are foundations to things, but that doesn't mean that you can't create. That doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't take away your ability to create. I said, so it's not a weakness. It's not a flaw. Invert that line of thinking. And boy, I tell you, you see the light go off in people's heads. You can, you can, you see it in their faces. You see it in their eyes. Right. And Mm -hmm. one thing that really motivated me to like come from academics and, and, um, you know, come all the way to literature is that I see that same inspiration. I was like, this is beautiful because that's why I went to academics in the first place. And I was, you know, I was trying to be all professor and stuff like that. But then I was like, can I make the same impact? There's the word. Can I make the same impact on the community, on the next generation of people with this type of work? And the answer was yes. I didn't think so, but I had to first tell myself, wait a minute, don't shoot yourself in the face. Don't shoot yourself in the foot before you make an attempt. And then all of a sudden, you know, my sister, when she said, do this, because she knew. And my mother said, write it down because she knew. But then when I believed in myself, I was like, oh, this is what they were talking about. Right, right, right. <laughs> and you see the impact. So mm-hmm. that's, um, my goodness, this is this, this holistic, this, um, how do you say it? Holistic nurturing. Yeah, that was the word I was trying to come up with. Because there's a yeah. lot of words in the, in the world. This holistic nurturing, my friend, oh my goodness, it can go so many places. And so like when we were talking about earlier with the children's book, that's what I'm excited about. It never leaves you, like I said. But then when you have the, all these other characters in like the current series I'm working on with Journey of the Shadow, like they live in your head. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, yes, you live, yes. You live with these characters. They're talking about something right now. I'm just like, can you guys shut up for just a second? Because I'm talking to William right now. <laughs> talk later, he's, okay? We'll talk later. Just use your beep. Just, just, just inform. Text me on your beeper, kids. Back in the day, we had these things called beepers. <laughs> for some people that had a little bit more money, the two-way pager. But that they had the two-way pager. You could Two. page them back. No. That's what made it. You'd have to go. You'd have to go and like to the nearest. You always knew who had the pagers because you always noticed if something came up, they had to excuse themselves. Always to go to the nearest phone booth. Back in the day, when there were phone booths. Oh my god, phone booth. So they go in and put in. At, there was a point where it was a quarter, and then I think it went up to like thirty-five cents, and it went for like that, like fifty cents. And 50 then it just cents. slowly stopped existing. They stopped putting in now they, they you see the old booths because they're made of like stainless steel and whatever and they just rip the phones out of them you can see the old core i'm like man what a tragedy of it's a, like a it kind of almost wish somebody would like do like the old british style boxes oh yeah i'm gonna pretend i'm gonna change into superman now it was cool man yeah. <laughs> so show me the villain. 
it was great. It was just, you know, you could, you, you, you could, you could act on your influences, right? Because yeah. your environment supported that, you know what I mean? But I, I won't get preachy about how, you know, the current environment doesn't support creativity because that's a, yeah. that's a different I, show in itself. For sure. but, right, um, right, right. but what we're, what we're talking about guys is that the, 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 the bastardization, right. The bastardization of creativity when it, when you rip it from people, then you can't expect, you, you can't expect for them. My gosh, what, what potential are you trying to set for them? What sort of potential are you, are you trying to enable them with? You, you've ripped it out of them. You've made sure that when they look over their shoulders, there's no reminder of creativity because when every time they look over the shoulder, it's a billboard about Apple or, uh, or uh, Abercrombie and Fitch, if they still exist, I don't know. But you know what I'm talking about, William. I think they do, um, yes. But um, the thing, that's why I say this, it's more, it's more important now than ever. This is, my, this is my point. It's more important now than ever that we re-engage the arts and just take it to the next level and make it imperative because now the corporations are like directing everyone's attention to say like, you guys need to trust in us. You know, this, you know, this, this pandemic, it happened. Okay, it was bad in 2020. All right, we admit that. But if you guys just buy a lot of stuff from us, your life is complete. So just buy from us. Okay, it doesn't matter what the numbers say. Just go out there and get yourself a Mercedes. I don't care what it takes to get it. You get into debt. Debt is normal. Okay, $180,000 in debt is normal. That's what you just to anticipate and let us be the representation of your lives. That's patently false. And that is the greatest tragedy to humanity to try to indoctrinate us into that way of thinking. Creativity has been our greatest strength as a species, as I said earlier in the, in the, in, in the program about how we were influenced by looking at all these cultures, right? Before we had TV and yada, yada, yada. They were just talking amongst themselves and came up with this, all these, this great history. They came up with all this great history that continues to influence us today, whether or not we acknowledge it, right? Yep. So yeah, my moral story is, it's just, just like your uh, reimagination of, of, of you know, Santa Claus and Krampus and this really amazing Justice League. I, that's the way I look at it. This Justice League of Santa Clauses from different communities and different backgrounds and public servants and et cetera. And they're helping out all these kids. That sort of empowerment, my gosh, we have to make that, as Joshua mentioned, in the next decade, if we're going to do anything, the arts are going to be one of our principal, I would say, like, assistance, one of our principal tools to dig us out of mm -hmm. that, uh, of, of this, of this, this, oof, oof, this graveyard of death in our thinking. But anyway, right. like I said, I'm not going to get preachy. That's another program. That's another I know, you're good. You're good. <laughs> so, Stone, let's, let's do this uh, because I do want to let you talk about the Kickstarter specifically. So oh, yeah. uh, anything exciting that you can tell the people about the Kickstarter, what kind of things you're putting out there for it, everything oh. like that, let us let us know. Hit us with everything. Man, okay. Uh, hit us with. Let's go. Uh, okay. Like James Brown, he was, he was telling the band, can we hit it and quit it? And the band was like, yeah, can we hit it and quit it? Yeah. And then he would tell stuff. So, so, so. you know, that sounded a lot clearer than the way James Brown was saying. Because James Brown would be like, yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Like, Y'all understand what he said. Just wait for him to do the hand motion. When he does the hand motion, hit our plan. That's what you yeah, William is not wrong. You have to wait for the mother, you know, uh, <laughs> number one soul brother, James Brown. Anyway, guys. What the people say? 
Like the only part I got that feeling I could understand most of the time was I got that feeling. I got that feeling, baby. All right. All right. Wow. Up, wow. Up and down and all around. But the JBs. I'm going to tell you something. JBs and real MVPs. Bruh, the band held it. That was one of the tightest bands on the planet. One of the greatest ever. Period. I mean, we, we can go down from Parliament, Funkadelic to Bootsy, and, and, and you know, we have the Barcades and Cooley Gang. They, they, all these guys were great, but the band that just held it tighter than, I don't know, a fat man's belt were the JBs. Those <laughs> yeah. guys were just, damn. <laughs> and they were <laughs> sampled by some of the greatest hip-hop acts that I've ever been. I didn't realize Talk how much uh, they were sampled. I walked into an old... CD shop. I want to say it was a Sam Goody. It's another thing that probably doesn't we exist We had a anymore. thing called... Yeah, no, Sam Goody doesn't exist. And, uh, yeah. But anyway, I was out in New Orleans. And right. I walked into a Sam Goody in New Orleans, and they're sitting there playing the, It's the Grunt Part 2. It's that old hook line. Right. They were playing the hook. Right. And it's like, that's a public enemy riff. Where right. the, hold on. Where did it come from? Exactly. So that was like, what is this plan? They're like, oh, it's the JBs, man. It's the JBs live on such and such. Where is it? They're like, here? Why? I need to buy that like right now. They're like, I, I need it. Just point you know, in direction and, and I'll, like, I'll take care of it. Four guys, and they're literally all going, did he just walk in and heard the JBs and immediately wanted to start? Did we just come up with a new way to sell music? And how this works? And how this <laughs> supposed to happen? Because we yeah, haven't that... seen that in like a while. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was like, oh, dude, like, I remember that riff from an old Public Enemy song back in the day when I was oh, rocking Public, Public Enemy back Enemy. in the day. Yes, and sir. Like, oh, yeah. Well, JBs were pretty fundamental around a lot of. Uh, oh, the fundamentals of, of hip hop. A lot of fundamental hip hop stuff and everything. I was like, really? It's like, yeah. So then I started slowly getting the JBs collection going. Uh, of course, I don't have a lot of the physical CDs now, but I still rock right. go on my YouTube playlist and stuff. Oh, yeah. old stuff and sit there. It's just like, one of these days, somewhere, I'm going to have a playlist saved with all the JBs stuff. It's just all JBs because, brother, it's you can't everything. go wrong. Them brothers tore it up. Man. Um, okay. Sorry, guys. We, That's we, okay. I mean, we're, 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 we're Kickstarter. Look up the JBs. Kickstarter. All right, guys. Um, Journey <laughs> of the Shadow. It's, it's darkness falls. <laughs> Turn this out, Dr. Spall's Kickstarter. It's going to launch on the 18th, all right? So if you guys... Uh, 18th of January, that's right. Um, it'll run for about 32-odd days, but what we are what we got, guys, is about nine tiers, okay? It's from... Uh, you can get, of course, the signed copy. When you get my books, they're going to be signed at no additional cost. I'm not one of those pricks or whatever they say, oh, if you want a signature, that's going to be three or five bucks more. That's stupid. I want you to have your own signed, personalized copy because I want you to experience and get immersed from in, into this world, right? So you're going to get the first tier signed copy of Darkness Falls, hot off the presses. Next tier, I call it Sun's Eye Specialist. Um, they're, they're all you know named after, like, if you're in the military, you go up in the ranks because that's how it uh, happens in the Sun's Eye clan in the book. So in the next tier, it's uh, Sun's Eye Specialist. You get uh, a volume one, second edition. 
and you'll get Darkness Falls all signed. And that'll be, I think, about 50 bucks. And I'll tell you this, by the numbers, if we get 60 people to just back that tier, Sunset Specialist, it'll be funded, period. If you guys just buy the books, we're out the door and I can pay for, you know, all the, the good stuff. But that's not it, my friends. We have exclusive artwork. I wish you could see it. I, uh, these, these phenomenal illustrators that I had, a, it's been a blessing to work with them. And I don't know how in the world I got in contact with them and I got their time. Like, I, I don't know, but we've got artwork from the amazing Shikari. He's a semi, he's a realism artist. He says semi-realism. I'm just like, dude, don't undercut yourself. Um, I, he, he did artwork of the goddesses I mentioned, goddess Evelyn, Rosaria, and the Shadow Maiden. And uh, one creative, I think his name is uh, Rodney Fike, I believe. Rodney, he said, he said, this looks like George Lucas type work. I was like, what? I've never heard anyone say that type of stuff before. But he said, but these are, this is, he said, this is the type of inspiration that you have behind your characters. I'm like, yeah, because I was a big fan of Star Wars and Star Trek and Stargate, and, you know, and all this other type of things. All the other stuff with Star Trek. It's all the stuff with stars, all the stars. <laughs> Star Wars, it's Outlaw Star. Okay, so then um, next, so the next tier, you're going to get like an art book that we've got and features like four amazing artists, Firas from Colombia, Aya from Russia, Kat Chan from Iran. Uh, my gosh, it's, it's an eight by eight and a half by 11 inch art book, 20 pages, and you get a special calendar of 2022 featuring Goddess Rosaria by Kat Chan. But as you go up the tiers, my friends, you get these, you can unlock these 22 by 28 inch posters because the way I look, the way I designed the tiers was like how I looked at when Back to the Future came out in the movies, when Jurassic Park came out in the movies, you know what I mean? Or Terminator 2. And we had these big posters on the walls of your favorite bands and your movies and they littered your wall. You were just surrounded by that, that immersion. You were just immersed in that world. That's the type of uh, campaign that I've got behind this Kickstarter. So as you go up, you're just going to get more and more absorbed into the world of Journey of the Shadow. So the I think the some tiers we had to restrict it to like United States because the shipping just got really really stupid. So we um, we're like we're shipping to Canada and United States for this one, but for the next book anyway, that's for the next Kickstarter. Next series, you guys will unlock these 22 by 28 inch posters from that exclusive work that you can't find anywhere else because I haven't released it. Sure, I've got an online store, but this artwork is made exclusively for this Kickstarter. So if you get in on it on the first day, like the first 24 hours, we have like an early bird special. You can add some of these things as an add-on. It's, you get stuff for free when you hit some of these backer goals. Um, I just, oh, I just heard from Aya, the artist from Russia, and she's doing her illustration of the Shadow Maiden, which is this, she's the like little sister of the goddesses, right? She's the little sister, but she has like these, like, like where the whites are, they're black and her eyes are this brilliant bronze. And it's just this haunting gaze that she has. And you know, she's a whole lot of trouble. So, and she's going to, she plays a really big part, especially in Darkness Falls. So once you read in the book and you get some of this artwork, you're just like, wow, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about the Shadow Baby. So you guys look out for that. It will be free. Uh, once we hit like 200 backers or something, you get a free, uh, what is it? 16 by 20 inch print of the Shadow Maiden by Aya. That, that'll be uh that's been part of the backer goals my friends it's i mean it's good it's good we've got naughty stuff i mean you know some people like it you know hot some people like it extra hot so if you want that extra hot stuff we give you the option other not safe for work versions of uh let's see well we've got there's lieutenant arlette princess Suzuka, aka the hand of evelyn uh and we've got elite mercenary tetiana ordovisha those can be unlocked with further stretch goals um oh my goodness in the last the last year, I'll just skip to the last one. 
And you guys can preview all of these tiers on my website at journeyoftheshadow.com. And the last tier is called Sansai Commander, which is, you know, that's Commander Sumisu. He's Sun. Sansai Commander is everything. You get all the posters. Not safe for work, safe for work. You get the art book special. Uh, we have an official Darkness Falls poster done by artist in Brazil. His name is Sofa. Sofa was so kind. He's such an, a humble person. He was just like, I'm not sure if I could do this. I'm like, what do you mean you can't do this? You're, you're phenomenal. Then he came back with this. The book cover for Darkness Falls is from the artist Sofa. Or, uh, Sofa. And um, not only will you guys get the signed copy, you have an opportunity to unlock the official Darkness Falls poster and you will get that at like half off. Like, and there's going to be a lot of discounted stuff in, that you can only get within the Kickstarter. So when you hop in on it, it's going to be like reduced to like 40, 60% because I want you to have it, period. I want you to just be in this world and just share it and talk about it and share it with your friends and be like, wow, this is really cool. Um, that's, the, that's the entire principle and that's the entire mood behind this Kickstarter. Um, I think, well, oh man, one more thing I want to introduce. Yeah, so if you didn't want like all the big poster stuff, that's okay. We've got two add-on bundles about the exclusive art that I mentioned. You can get like the, like the four prints that are like five by seven high resolution, same high resolution quality that you get from the posters, but they're five by seven prints of the exclusive artwork by Shikari. You get a safe for work bundle and you got a not safe for work bundle. One's 15 bucks, the other's 20 bucks. If you want to get the two books and slap on that bundle, boom, right off the bat, and you're, you're good to go. There are so many options that you guys can have to get involved in how you want to dive, how you want to dive into the world of Journey of the Shadow. So if you want to go big, you go further up the tier, but if you want to have something in your hand or whatever, that's fine too. We've got you covered. So my friends, the Journey of the Shadow Darkness Falls Kickstarter kicks off January 18th at 8 p.m., um, it will be on a, I think we're launching on a show called Unscripted with uh, Phil Lockler. And uh, my gosh, hopping on the first 24 hours, it's going to be really, 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 really freaking fun. It's going to be really fun. If you want to preview the tiers, take a look at the preview of the art. Guys, everything, learn more about the book, the story, the characters, everything, literally, is at Journey of the Shadow. There's no www. Because I don't know, GoDaddy decide you don't need a www. I'm like, all right. So it's just, <laughs> I'm like, all right, guys, I'm not going to argue with you. HTTPS colon slash slash journeyoftheshadow.com. That's, that's, that's my Kickstarter. It's going to, okay. I'm going to be doing, um, I'm sorry, I was going to be, I forgot to mention, William, that I'm going to be doing like live product demos. So you'll see me doing a lot of hand waving with my smartphone, showing you guys the posters and the, the art book. And you guys will see all the good stuff. So, you know, when you go to Facebook and Instagram, it's going it's to be fun, interactive. You guys can ask questions, shoot me DMs, shoot me an email. It's fun. I want to make this fun because it's about, it's about sharing, getting you guys involved in this world. And I, it's, it's such a privilege to share ideas with other people. It is. And it's a gift. It really, so, but embracing that gift, that's the challenge. And you've yeah. got to recognize that gift. You've got to recognize that gift and, know, and then understand that that gift has a further purpose to ignite other gifts in people because you don't know who you're going to inspire with what you're doing. So all of this is just a function of that. All of this, all of this is a function of that, my friends. Okay, now, yeah, now I'm done. I think I'm done explaining that, William. All right, <laughs> no, I think. All right. so no, that's a, that's a good place to wrap. So uh, guys, I first of all, want to let you know uh, that you can get on this. We'll make sure to have all the links in 
the description of the podcast. So get down in those description, go to the links, check out the stuff in the previews. We'll also make sure to get the link where the Kickstarter is. I'm sure you can sign up for it, pre-sign up for it, so that way when it's time to go oh, yeah. through and get in there, you can oh, get yeah. in there and support the work. Because just from what I'm seeing so far, and, and I know you may, I don't want you to feel jealous of me, because you can get access to this stuff. I'm just saying some of the stuff I'm seeing right now, I'm just like, okay, this is going to be really cool. So <laughs> thank you so much, first of all, Stone, for coming on. Conversations about dot, dot, dot. I really appreciate it. Thank uh, you for having me, my friend. Thank you. Not a problem at all. There is a part two to this, but you what? have to go to Conversations Behind the Wall. And in order to do that, it's a $1.99 a month. You can support what we're doing here on the podcast, and you can hear really awesome stuff. We have a third guest on here as well, so we're we're oh, chopping yeah. it up, talking about everything from weird moments we've been in to yeah. uh to you know Societal. stuff about life and stuff like that, and even yeah. into some chicken conversation with people who ain't got no business messing with chicken whatsoever. <laughs> uh, in my personal opinion, I can't say that for everybody, but. Yeah, but yeah. In order for you to get that, you gotta check that tier out. Uh, behind the wall, it's a little bit more freeing. You know, we can talk about stuff that's a little bit more heavy topics that we don't normally talk about with the regular show. So just want you to know that's out there, that's available. And so, Stone, thank you so much for coming on again. I really appreciate it. I, I try to be as thankful as possible to appreciate because I know people ain't gotta be nice. People ain't gotta come on the show, but when you do, I want to let you know you appreciate. So, uh, and, and listen, you have my infinite gratitude for bringing me on. You're an amazing individual. I love what you're doing. You're an inspiration to me and a, a mirror for me to keep doing what I'm doing. So I'm telling you as sincerely, my friend, thank you for what you're doing. Let's keep I rocking and rolling, that. brother. Yes, let's sir. Keep, let's keep creating. Yes, sir. You got it. So listen, above all else, guys, as always, how do we end this show? Even in 2022, we're going to keep rocking it with this flexible thing. Be blessed to be a blessing to somebody, guys. Take care.